0: Now, grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be our Old Testament lesson from Jeremiah twenty-eight, parts of our Gospel lesson from Matthew ten that will serve as the basis for the sermon today. Have you ever been upside down? I mean, literally, not figuratively, but literally. You know, find yourself in an upside-down position. Have you ever been in that position? You know how disorientating that is to get your bearings to know exactly where you are. You're, you're, you're upside down, and you're feeling like what should be up is now down and what's down is now up. About 25, 30 years ago, uh, when I was stationed in Pensacola, I was in a training exercise in the Navy and I found myself literally upside down. I was strapped into the simulation of a helicopter fuselage and uh, what they were was hung by real thick cables coming out of the ceiling, out of the rafters above a very deep pool. So they strapped us all in, and they, they brought us down at a high velocity, hit the water, it sank for about 10 feet, then it went upside down and sank another 10 feet before it came to rest. So by that time, you're about 20 feet under the water, upside down. Now, you had to get yourself out of the helicopter. It was hard enough to do it when I can actually see, because the first time I did it, it was light, you know, they had all the lights on the pool and all that, and you could see what was going on. The second time, however, they turn the lights out in blindfolds. So at this point, they drop you down, and here you are at 20 feet, and you're sitting there trying to figure out where your reference point is to get out, you can't see a thing, and your head's telling you to go up, when up was now down. And what was down, maybe the deck of the helicopter was up. You see, in a situation like that, where you find yourself upside down, you have to first assess the situation, then you have to rely on a God to get you out of the situation and lead you to safety. All this upside down talk reminds me you know, recalls, actually, the days of Jeremiah and the Israelites. Because for the Israelites back in the days of Jeremiah, the whole world was upside down. Things as they once knew it were no more. They were in captivity to the Babylonians. Jerusalem had been ran, ran, ransacked. King Nebuchadnezzar took all possessions out took them away. Everything that they had known was to- knew, totally different. The world, the world was, as they knew it once was now collapsing at a very alarming rate around them. And to make matters worse, Jeremiah wasn't a prophet like the prophets used to be. Prophets used to come to the Israelites and they would pray with them and they would intercede on behalf of, but not Jeremiah. He's a different prophet. Jeremiah himself um, found himself as part of the reason there, there was this upside down effect going on for him. Why? Because his call was different. God, when he called him, uh, told him he was going to appoint him you know, over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build up the plan. In other words, Jeremiah wasn't afraid in our on behalf. He was going to tell these people not necessarily what they wanted to hear, but what they needed to hear. Not an enviable task, to say the least. I wonder how many of us would be as crazy as Jeremiah to stand up and tell people what they need to hear rather than what they want to hear.
1: And now, today, there's even
0: more upside down turmoil going on as there's a throwdown going on between Jeremiah and the false prophet Hananiah. God had spoken through Jeremiah a chapter earlier and said, when You tell this to your masters. With my great power and outstretched arm, I made the earth and its people and the animals that are on it, and I give it to anybody that I please. Now, I'll give all your countries into the hands of my servant, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. I will make even the wild animals subject to him. And all the nations will serve him and his son and his grandson until the time for the land comes. And then many nations and great kings will subjugate him. In other words, that long little diatribe piece I just spoke there, what he's really saying is, guess what, Israel? It's going to be a long, long time before you're restored. You know, it's not exactly uh, what I would want to hear if I was an Israelite in that condition, to be honest with you. Um, God commanded Jeremiah to make a yoke and put it around his neck. He wore a physical yoke made out of iron fetters and wood as uh, a reminder to the Israelites of what kind of yoke they were going to be under in, in captivity. God also spoke through Jeremiah telling the Israelites to be on guard against false prophets. People who are going to come and proclaim peace, which is now what we find Hananiah doing today. Telling them that very soon God would break the yoke around their necks. That very soon, within two years' time, God was going to restore all those articles that were taken out of his house. What he was doing was giving them a false sense of peace. What he was really doing was telling these people what they wanted to hear and not necessarily what they needed to hear. Think about that when it comes to God. You know, as good Lutherans, we understand that you can't have the gospel without the law, right? The law is what convicts. The gospel is what mends. can't have one without the other. These Israelites failed to realize that it is because time and time again they had broken their covenant with the Lord that they now found themselves in this position. Yet they didn't want to hear that. They wanted to hear that God was going to restore relatively quickly what was wrong in their world. They wanted to be right side up again, not upside down. So here, the throwdown now continues between Jeremiah and Hananiah, and, and Jeremiah stands up and, perhaps sarcastically, maybe that's how he was intending it. Says this: "Amen." And may the Lord do so. In other words, I hope you're right, Hananiah. I hope you're right. But then he reminds them that the prophets who preceded him, meaning Jeremiah, and Hananiah had been prophesying war and disasters and plagues against these countries, which were now coming to fruition. And at that, Hananiah didn't like what he had to say. Jeremiah then says, but the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord, only if this prediction comes true. Ah. Well, then Hananiah takes the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck and breaks it and continues to tell the people what they want to hear, but you know what? In the end, Hananiah got his. It wasn't that much longer into the chapter that we find out that Hananiah incurs the wrath of God and dies. So we now know that he wasn't really a true prophet of peace, was he? Yeah, those days of Jeremiah and those Israelites were certainly upside down. There is a society of international law that's based out of London that recently had written, um, stated actually that you know, in the last four thousand years, did anyone want to take guess how many years of peace we've actually had in the last four thousand years? 286 years of true peace, or of actual peace, in the last 4,000 years. This despite all of man's efforts to make peace treaties, what looked on the surface to be good peace treaties. And yet all these wars have taken place, all this violence. In the last three centuries alone, there have been 288 wars on the continent of Europe, just on that continent. And look what's going on today. There's fighting going on all over the place. And although we may not call it a war here in America, there's certainly a lot of violence and division. The world needs peace. The world needs peace. But you know, it just seems like there isn't. Is there? Not free peace, at least. There are many people who live in this world who think that they can bring Peace. There are many ways that the world would offer us peace. Some people try to find peace in goods and in possessions. Others try to find it in relationships. But at the end of the day, if there's any peace to be had, it's only temporary. Because it's not really true peace. And then, you know, there's those people who try to be peacemakers. Which on the surface isn't wrong. I mean, we're called to be peacemakers, are we not? As Christians... The problem lies, though, that when those who are trying to be peacemakers do so, they do so in such a way that they're saying things that people that people want to hear, and not necessarily what people need to hear. Much kind of like what Hannah and I was doing with those Israelites, paying them lip service, false peace. Now remember this, Jesus says today. Do not think that I've come to bring peace on the earth. I've come to bring peace. Not peace, but a sword. You know, here we are today. What Jesus just said down world, where we're looking for peace. What Jesus just said certainly doesn't sound appealing, does it? I'm not so sure that that's what we want to hear when we're looking for peace, when the world needs peace. When we're trying to, to find the right direction of where up is anymore when we want peace right here and now. But you know, Jesus isn't telling us necessarily what we want to hear. He's speaking what we need to hear. And honestly, it's not like Jesus isn't going to bring peace. He's just saying he's not bringing here peace on earth. In other words, what he's telling us is I didn't come here to appease every single person in the way that they think I'm bringing peace here on earth. Just like the Israelites thought he was bringing peace in one way and he brought peace during his early ministry in a totally different way. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm not here to pay you lip service. I'm here to tell you about a true peace. But you need to hear everything that goes along with that. You need the good. You need the bad with the good. The law with the gospel, so to speak. Jesus is the true prophet of peace. When he says that he did not come to bring peace, but a sword, he's saying that he's not coming to appease people, but that he's going to actually be divisive. He's going to divide families. Why? Because not everybody's going to want to hear what he has to say. Not everybody's going to want to acknowledge what he has to say. There'll be mothers against daughters and vice versa. Fathers against sons. Just divisiveness going on in households and whatnot. Why? Why would he say something like that? Because the only true peace to be found is found in Christ alone. And it was a couple weeks ago. Usually on my monthly break, I, I read current events. So I don't, don't ask me why. It's nothing but doom and gloom anymore. But I like to keep up with what's going on in the world. And I came across this article. It was just so heartbreaking. But it was about a girl, a 24 year old girl at that, who lives in Uganda. And she was on the phone with her aunt one day and she started jumping for joy and celebration and great jubilation coming out because she had heard about the gospel. Because she acknowledged finally, after hearing about this, and her aunt telling her about what Christianity is all about, she acknowledged her sins and, and she told her aunt she couldn't wait to be baptized. She couldn't wait to come into God's family. She had found what she had been looking for. Unfortunately, her father, who was in the other room, overheard what was going on. Father, was a different thing. Came into her room and beat her up and then set her on fire with kerosene. That's what Jesus is talking about. Divisiveness in families. How he's going to be a sword and not bring peace to earth. Because not everybody wants to hear it. And that's sad. But you know what? For that girl, she's still she's hanging in there today. She's still clinging to the peace. Not everybody wants to get things. Can bring. Not everybody wants to get the good with the bad, and the law with the gospel. But you know what? As Jesus says in John chapter eight, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciple. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Side down world. He's the only one that can show us which way is up when we become disoriented. It's only by staying connected to Him and His Word that we have the assistance to get our bearings when we're disoriented and feeling, honestly, upside down. And you know what? It can't just be what we want to hear from His Word. It's not piecemeal, folks. It's everything. If you're going to be in His Word, you've got to take the good with the bad. Likewise, so that we can get the gospel. And then we're called to be peacemakers to take the peace out of the world. And that means that we can't just tell people what they want to hear. We've got to be able to tell them what they need to hear so that they can discover the true peace and what it means. You know, we have to be on guard against false peace in this world because false peace doesn't lead us to safety. It leads us down instead of up. But when we lose our bearings in this world, when we've lost our way, when we're toss, you know, topsy turvy, upside down, and whatnot. Remember the good news that we have. Remember that Jesus said He would never leave our sides. Remember what we got in our baptisms, what God gave us in our baptisms—the Holy Spirit that helps us to reorient to ourselves, that helps us to know good from bad, right from wrong, that leads us back to the safety net that is Jesus, and that brings us true peace in our lives. You know, sometimes God's prophets say things that seem contradictory uh, to our sense and our sensibility. Sometimes God's prophets preach what seems to be things that are upside down. And His Word doesn't make sense to us. But that doesn't mean that God's message is wrong. It just means that, well, quite honestly, we have our priorities out of order. The world is backwards; we're rather upside down. But the kingdom of God, my friends, is right side up, where it's the only thing where true peace is found. I pray that God's true peace rests in all of your lives. That it guides you. That it lifts you up, no matter what you face in this world. Always know that God is up. There is a world out there that needs true peace. And when we go to taking that true peace, let us help them to find out an upside down world, which way is up. And to God be all the glory. Amen.